me and praise him. No weapon, no weapon, no weapon. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give my hand praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's Aiden. Hope grown. Amen. Hand down from generation and generation. No weapon form against you or me. None, none. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We get ready for the word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, praise his holy name. I, every time I see Jalen in here, I be wondering, do he got a song or something for us? I don't know. I don't know. So you're good today. Aiden did it. All right. Amen. Let's get Aiden another hand. Amen. Amen. We get ready for the word. Well, everybody know Pastor. Everybody know how what a powerful speaker he is. And we thank the Lord for him. We thank the Lord for his teaching, his preaching, and everything. So we love him. And right now, I'm just not going to delay anymore. I'm going to present to Psalm, introduce to Psalm, Pastor Jerry Seawright. Amen. Let's give him a hand, please. Praise the Lord, saints. All right. While you're still standing, I just ask that you join with me in a word of prayer. Father God, we come before you now. And always, Father, I just position my heart and my mind to come before your throne, realizing that you are God. You alone are God. And Father, we worship you on today. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you... Just come in the midst of your people. I know that you are already here, but I just ask that you show yourself strong on today. Yes. Lord, allow your people to hear your word through your servant, yes. that they may be blessed, Lord, to hear from on high, to keep on keeping on. In yes. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And if you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn to um, Esther, the fourth chapter, fourth chapter of um, this is uh, Sunday school lesson number eight from the summer quarter, summer quarter, I believe. yes, and uh, I believe the title of the lesson is uh, Esther Goes Before the King, and we're still talking about courage here, all right, still talking about courage, took courage to go before that king. So Esther, the fourth chapter, verses six through six. 17, I'll read from the NSAB version. It says, starting once again from the sixth verse, so Heta went out to Mordecai to the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king treasures for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict, which had been issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show Esther and inform her and to order her to go in to the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. Hedda, 
came back and related Mordecai words to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Haddock and ordered him to reply to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court, who is not summoned, he has put one law, that he be put to death. Unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. They related, uh, they related Esther's words to Mordecai. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go in to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. Amen. You may be seated. What a powerful story. We know that in the Bible, we often see um, various forms of writing. We see uh, poetry, we see um, um, history, we also, see, we also see prophecy. And today we come from uh, a narrative portion of scripture, a narrative portion of scripture. People love stories. They love stories. Uh, if you sit around and you often like talk to folks, uh, most times if you uh, engage in conversations, at some point or another, you're going to tell a story. You're going to tell something about what happened, what occurred. Uh, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, you're going to be inspired by uh, a story. So today, you know, most times that you hear folks preach Esther, they, they preach the story. And I'm not going to do anything different. I'm going to tell the story. Tell the story about Esther and what occurred. Uh, the thing I want to say first of all, uh, before I do dive into um, my uh, preaching for the day, I, I want to say that uh, um, I know we had a graduate here, right? Malik, am I right? And he had an open house. I, 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 I think about him because um, every time I think about someone graduating from high school, I think about 
of myself graduating from high school. That was a scary time for me. Uh, I know some people probably had it all together. I didn't. And I didn't know what my plan would be or anything else. You know, I, I, I graduated in my class, I graduated at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I set y'all up, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I graduated at the bottom, you know, and I won't tell you all my GPA, but it was a miracle that I have, uh, you know, uh, a degree right now. I'll just say that. So uh, I, just, I just fluffed high school. And, and then when all of a sudden it was time to graduate, I didn't know what my plans would be. Co college, I kind of like laughed at that. I was like, yeah, right. But then all my buddies were going to college, like Keith and Tracy and all of them. So I said, hey, I'll try it along. So I went ahead. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that uh, it, it's, it could be a scary time uh, because now all of a sudden folks are saying, hey, you're, you're grown. And, 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 and although prior to that point, you wanted to act grown, but when somebody tells you that you're grown, <laughs> that changed the game, right? Because now all of a sudden you're like, boy, you know, where am I living? How am I eating? You know, all these things are like negotiable now. <laughs> you know, folks that were taking care of me, you know, they would get in trouble with the law if I didn't eat and I didn't have a place to live. But now they can say, get out of my house <laughs> and the police will not come. <laughs> yeah, it's a scary moment. So I, I, in other words, I'm praying for the brother and I know it's transition period. I'm praying for him. You know, I'm encouraging him every time I see him. I know he's got life decisions to make and uh, God is in his corner. Amen. Now moving on. Um, so Esther. The book of Esther, when I was studying this book, the interesting thing is this, is that um, a lot of folks have an issue with this book. They have, a, they have an issue with this book. I mean, church fathers have an issue with this book. Uh, they look at it and some think it's all extra biblical, meaning that it should not be in the Bible, right? Um, Martin Luther, for example, he had an issue with Esther. He felt that Esther was too Jewish oriented and had no gospel connection or content to it, right? And, and, and others felt that, that it was a, a, a mystery in terms of not having an author, you know, the author is, is unknown. Um, it, it, it pushes or, 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 or glorifies a holiday that's not found in, in Moses' law, right, Purim. You don't see that in Deuteronomy or Leviticus. And all of a sudden now, you know, you see Purim. And Purim, by the way, is like the most secular holiday that, that the Jewish folks have. I mean... I mean, it's like close to like part A, they party in, right? And, 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 and they feel that also, if you look at your expositor um, for this week's lesson, I believe it was found in the golden text where um, authors had stated 
issues along the way with this book as well. They, they say, for example, that um, Mordecai and Esther's behavior was disturbingly unethical. Yeah, yeah. And then they go on to say that some uh, point, you know, they say that uh, some point out that Esther, uh, the book of Esther uh, shows how she uh, conceals her identity, meaning that she's like misleading. Uh, she married a Gentile. Uh, uh, she set a trap, trap setting. And then she was vindictive. And then they said that she more than likely participated in pagan diet and, and may have uh, engaged in premarital relations. And, and, and on top of that, not to mention that she was a, a female and an orphan. And God uses her as a hero as a hero? Well, well, my Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29, it says this, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. Amen. See, in other words, God always, always make heroes out of weirdos and zeros, <laughs> right? He, he makes, makes heroes out of weirdos and zeros, amen? And that's, that's, that's how God does it, because he's not going to share his glory with anyone. He's not going to show his glory within anyone. But the biggest question from Esther is not, why did God use them? Here's the big question that I want you to walk away with. How is it that we are still here? How is it that you are still here? How is it that you are still here? Is it, is it, do you take credit for your existence? Do, do you take credit for like waking up each morning and then starting yourself on your way and then protecting yourself all along the way from all hurt, harm, and danger? And then you can say to your answer to the question, how is it that I'm here? Well, it's because of me. No, no, no. The question is, is how is it that we are still here? It's got to be somebody that's bigger than you and I and them that are against us. Amen. That, that, that allows us to keep on moving and keeping on. And, and, and you heard this expression that the devil is in the details. I know you guys have heard that. Read your contracts very carefully because the devil is in the details. Well, see, what Esther tells me is that God is in the details of the details. <laughs> see, so, when you, you know, the devil might be thinking that, you know, I can go this way and move this way. Well, God knows the details of the details. 
and he's behind the scene. He knows the details of the details, amen? So, so, so let's get it to the story portion of Esther. So the Persians were in power, right? And powers, you know, they, they followed one another. They had their moments and they had their times in history. Well, Babylonians, they were in power and then all of a sudden the Persians grew and when they grew strong enough, they end up crushing the Babylonians, right? And during this time, during the Persian rule, we are now focusing on the time in which King Ahasuerus or Xerxes, right, in Greek, he was on the throne. And uh, Esther 1.1, it tells us that the Persian empire was from the east, and that was India, all the way from India in the east, all the way to the west to Ethiopia. That covered a large, large territory. And the important part of that, the reason why they're emphasizing how much territory that this empire covered is because if a law was passed in Susa, the capital, then that mean it affected everywhere, almost like the known world at that time. So if a law was passed to kill all Jews in Susa, then that means it was all throughout the world at this time. So, so that law was behind it. It had the, the intent to get rid, eliminate, annihilate all Jewish people. Amen? But the king had a huge, long party. He celebrated this party for his officials. And it was a party that had endless drinking. Just then you can go and, and drink some of me. Go and you can drink as much as you wanted. And the party lasted for like 180 days. Ain't no party like an exorcist party. Because <laughs> an exorcist party got it going on. Right? Right? Because he, I mean, drinking for, I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, ain't no party like it. Man, I got to go 180 days of partying. That's crazy, ain't it? But that's what he, he was. He was a guy of access. And then after that party, he said, I think I'll have another seven-day party for all the citizens. And that's what I'll do. So, so just think, this party was <clears throat> for months. Months. I, I'll be partied out by that time. But a party. Put, put a mental, put a mental post-it there because... God is going to use that. Amen. And then when King Xerxes was drunk and feeling merry, he ordered that his queen at the time, Vashti, would come and show how beautiful she was to everyone. Now, if you read the account, it says that he wanted Vashti to come with her crown to, to show how beautiful she was. So, so when you read the historical account of it, it meant that when he said he wanted Vashti to come with her crown, he wanted her to come just with the crown, right? 
and, and to show how beautiful she was. Now, let, let's put, let me put another point in there too. Let me put another point in there. This culture, the Persian culture, they believed in leadership that, um, you know, that decisions could be made, you know, during some drinking. So while they were making important decisions, they felt like if you drink some, that, that you should be able to somehow, I don't know how they thought this, but they thought, you know, you know drinking and decision-making goes together. And that's what they thought, right? And, 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 and so, you know, while he was married, he, he made the decision that he wanted his, his queen to come with her crown. And, and Vesti said, no. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And when she refused, he was angry. Put another mental post-it there about the queen refusing because God can use that. Amen. So Xerxes was angry and he consulted his executive board. Right? And his executive board said, you better check, Karen. I mean, I'm sorry. You better check. You better check, Vesti. That's I'm the Vesti. I'm sorry. So, 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 so that's what they said, right? They said, and if you can't check your wife, all our wives are going to, they're going to be acting up. In other words, they said there's going to be contempt and, and anger in our homes, too. You got to take care of this, right? And you better take, take care of this, right? Take care of this. And the drunk proposal was to, to get rid of Vesta. Yeah, get rid of her, right? Get rid of her. Let everyone know, right? And, and by the way, have a, have a beauty pageant to get her replacement, right? Let all the young virgins come and you choose from them, you know, and, 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 and for her replacement. And, and, and of course, Xerxes says, I'll drink to that, right? And that's exactly what he did. Now, put a post-it there because God can use a beauty pageant, right? He'll use a, a beauty pageant as well. So war broke out, by the way, between some verses. If you read the uh, account, uh, war broke out. And this war took some time to resolve. Matter of fact, the Persians fought the Greeks. And historically, you said that, you'll see that the Greeks really put a whooping on the Persians, really put a whooping on the Persians. So. So by the time uh, uh, Xerxes came back, he was defeated, and his popularity was on the decline, and he didn't, didn't handle this Vashti thing yet. So then, by this time, he had a whole different mindset. He was defeated, popularity was down, and he had this skip it type of attitude you know, I, I'm going to take everything, and I'm, I'm not going to deny myself nothing. And that was the attitude behind this beauty pageant. So they didn't just ask women to come, young girls to come. They took them. They took them. 
that they took them. They took them from families. And that's exactly what happened to Esther as well. Took them from their families to be part of this, this, this beauty pageant, if you will. And at this time also, the, the accounts um, mentions that Mordecai, and they talked about his background and, and they explained who he was. And, and he was Esther's older cousin who had raised Esther as a daughter, right? He was that much older than Esther. And he had raised her as a daughter. Esther ends up being taken, and when she was taken and become part of this beauty pageant, she actually won. She won the contest, and she stole the king's heart, if you will, because God used Vashti refusing and then her being put away to make room for Esther to come on in to be queen. Amen. The story goes on to say that Esther's cousin, Mordecai, overheard a plot. Two of the uh, official eunuchs were plotting to, to kill Xerxes. And, and, and this became known to Mordecai. And Mordecai ends up telling Esther, who then tells the king. By the way, Esther says to the king, I heard this, I knew this information from my cousin, Mordecai, he told me. And the king investigated the uh, circumstance and found out that it was true. And he knew that he needed to pay Mordecai back. He, he said, I'm in your debt, I'm in your debt. Mordecai saves the king, put a mental post stick there because God can use that as well, amen? And after the king disposes of those who plotted to kill him, he promotes the villain, dun, 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 dun. And the villain is Haman, right? He promotes Haman, and Haman is this guy who ends up um, becoming second in command. And, and, but there was some there, there there were a few issues that too matter of fact that Haman had Haman had two major glares one is that Haman was deeply in love with Haman you know he was like Terrell Owens you know with Terrell Owens said to him, to the to the people he said I love me some me that that was Haman that was Haman. And the other glaring thing is, is that Haman was vindictive and, and prejudiced. Those were two glaring issues that he had. And, and then all of a sudden he comes out and the king had ordered that, hey, this is second in command. So when you see him, I want you to bow and pay homage and everything else. But then all of a sudden he goes by Mordecai and Mordecai says, oh, no, no, no. No, because see, bowing and paying homage had an element of worship in there. And Mordecai was like, no, nah, I ain't going to worship you, dude. <laughs> I'm not going to worship you, right? And, and when he didn't, all of a sudden, Haman 
took issue with that. And he became so enraged that not only did he want to get rid of Mordecai, but he wanted to get rid of all of his kind. He wanted to get rid of all of the Jewish people. So he, what he did is he said, I'm, I'm going I'm to plan a day. Let me see. I'm going to plan a day. Where are my dice? I'm going to plan a day. And this is how they did it. They, 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 they threw lots, dice, if you will. And, and wherever the dice roll, you know, that's the day. So he, he, he rolled the dice, boom. And then uh, uh, the dice said, like, about a year from now, I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to kill them all. And some people, they, that's how they live. They, they live by, by, by dice, right? They, they try to live by chance. They, they say, oh, well, that's the way the dice rolls. That's the way the cookie crumbles. You've hear, you'll hear those expressions. But Proverbs, the 16th chapter and the 33rd verse says this, the, the lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. You hear that? The, the, the dice are rolled, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So, so Haman may have thought that he was just tossing some dice down there, but every decision is from the Lord. So Haman approached the king with his plan. He had the day in mind and everything else. He just needed to sell the king on it. He sold, he sold the king by, by, by kind of like an a underhanded way. And of course, you know, they, how they made decisions, they drink. So they were drinking, and, and the king thought that, hey, that was a good idea. We'll get rid of them all. Because Haman also said, when we get rid of them, check this out. You thought Vashti was bad when she didn't come and not follow your directions? These Jewish people are worse. And, and we need to get rid of They will not follow your directions. We need to get rid of all of them. And when we do, I got a plan. We can just lose, just, just, just get all of their, all of their belongings loot all of their belongings, and, and, and give a little back, pay the executioners, but then all the other money that we get from this, we can put it in the treasure. And the king, of course, said, that's a great idea. I'll drink to that, right? And so he gave him his ring and said, go ahead and do what you need to do to get this done. As soon as this was told to Mordecai. Mordecai went into mourning. He, he, he knew that this was bad news, and he, he cried out, and he cried out right at the gate. Now, what's significant about him crying right at the gate is that if the king saw him, no one could come before the king looking sad, dressing sad, being sad, nothing like that. And if they did, their life could be taken. But Mordecai was right at the gate and could be seen by the king. But yet he still went there dressed in mourning clothes and, 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 and just wailing right at the gate. And Esther was concerned about Mordecai's safety. So she sent him clothes, right? 
And, and when she sent him clothes, he refused to change clothes. He still wanted to mourn, and, 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 and he sent back to Esther this reply. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. You hear the challenge there? You hear the challenge? You, you're not safe either. <laughs> uh, uh, the first response that, that, that Esther had was that, uh, I'm, you, you asking me to go before the king unannounced? If I go unannounced, then he could kill me because if you go unannounced before the king, it's a law that you will be put to death unless he shows you the scepter. Right? So you want me to risk my life? And Mordecai was asking nothing of Esther that he didn't do himself. He was right at the gate risking his life. See, and, and, and that's the thing. But, but, but he said that don't think you're safe up there in the palace. Because when this thing goes down, uh, you're a Jew too. <laughs> they may not know that you are a Jew now. But they will know, and when they do, uh, you're going to pay the price as well. And it's interesting because, see, some folks live by some interesting beliefs, right? So, some people believe that, that fate, they believe that they just, they, they live by fate, right? Things result due to other things happening. That's, that's fate. That's the way it is. And they go through their life, you know, just living by fate. And, and then others, they, they say, well, it's random. It's not necessarily fixed fate, but it's just like random, right? And things just randomly happen. And, you know, that's the way the dice roll. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Oh, well, that's the way it is. And, and others, they try to get a bit more religious with, with their outlook and their belief. And, and what they say is that God created the world, but now he has nothing to do with it. So he created the world, and now he has nothing to do with it, right? And, and then others would say, God created the world, and, and they get real deep with it. See, God is the world. He is the world. Not only did he create the world, but is the world. It's that deep. They, they'll whisper it to you like that so you can say, wow. Right? Right? See, see, I, see me, I, you know, it, the, the, the official names of these, these views are deism, pantheism, chance, and, and determinism. I, 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 I reject those. And I submit to you all that, that, that it's providence. And it's God's 
providence, right? And I can give you all a technical term or definition for providence. It's, providence means that God has not abandoned the world that he created, but rather works within that creation to manage all things according to the immutable counsel of his own will. That, that, that's what it's stated in the Westminster Confession, right? And I can give you that technical term, but I'd rather give you another way and another way of looking at it, another term that I came up with. And here's my definition. He is always looking out for me. Always busy opening doors that I can't even see. I don't have to worry because he takes good care of me. Jesus is looking out for me. Amen. He, he preserves me. He makes sure that I'm going from one place to the next place. He preserves me. He also keeps me, right? He, he keeps me. He, he keeps me. He, he, he makes sure that, he, that, that, that nothing uh, changes on me, right? Like this world, definitions are changing all the time. They're redefining things, see? But, but, but you know, the logic of a duck, if, if, if it if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. Well, today it's an it's, it's a elephant. You see what I'm saying? They're just trying to redefine everything. But, but God is not in the business of redefining things. He keeps me, right? He keeps me. And, and, and he said that he would never leave me or forsake me, right? He will, and not only does he keep me, but he keeps me in a way where he can work through me. He works through me, and why does he preserve, and why does he keep? Because he's working it out for my good, and scripture supports this. Scripture supports this. Hebrews 1 and 3 says, and he holds all things by the word of his power. Colossians 1 and 17 says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Acts 17, 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. See, this is a God that is in control and he keeps me and he preserves me. It's not about a roll of the dice or something randomly occurring and, and, and it's all about God. No, no, no. He's God, and that's just the way it is. And he's control. He has control of my life, right? And, and he preserves and he keeps us all. And this is something that we should be happy about and we should praise him for because we are not keeping ourselves. Why, we, why are we here? Because he's keeping us and he's preserving us and he's holding on to us and he's making sure that we get to this point, to that point in our lives. That's our God and he's a good God. And that's the way it is. Amen. That's just the way it is. And, and the story goes on to say that Mordecai and Esther, they, 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 they were living this scripture and didn't even know it. <laughs> they were living all this scripture and didn't even know it at the time. They knew that God was in control. One of the issues that folks had with Esther is that no time is God mentioned in it. But God doesn't have to be mentioned in it to be all in it. Amen. He doesn't have to be mentioned in it to be all in it. 
You know, I think uh, R.C. Sproul, I think he said, you know, some pictures that you see and you, and you see them and you look at them and, and, and you got to say, who, who is that picture? Because <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's done in a way where you're asking, who is that supposed to represent? Remember the, the recent Lucille Ball statue of a few years ago? That thing didn't look like, didn't look like Lucille Ball at all, right? And they were like, oh, my goodness. And so they had to tear it down and remake it and everything else. But there are some pictures that when you see it, you say, oh, I know who that is, yeah. right? And, and the name doesn't have to be on it or anything. And you can just look at it and say, I know who that is. And, and here is a picture of folks' lives that are going on. And then you see all the events that are taking place. God's name doesn't have to be on the picture of this life because you can see how it's working. And all you can say is, that's God. That's God. That's God's working and he's moving things. And he's looking out for Esther and Mordecai. And that's what he did all throughout this story. Finally, through the story, we see that Haman had this plot to get rid of, uh, of Mordecai. And matter of fact, his, his, his hatred for Mordecai grew to a point where he ended up uh, uh, finding an execution spot for him. He said, I'm going to hang him right here. Matter of fact, it's going to be by my house because I want to see him hanging right here, right? So he had gotten that all together. And, and the day that he was going to go ask the king, the king the night before had, had got up. He couldn't sleep. And he, and he began to read. He said, read me some, some stuff. Read, read me some of the articles of, uh, of what's been going on recently. And then all of a sudden, they read how Mordecai, or Mordecai had, had, had saved his life by telling him of the plot. And then the king said, did we ever pay him? And because and, 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 there's no record of we paying him. Nope, we never paid him. I told you, see, God was going to use that, right? And that's how God used it. And, and, and then all of a sudden, he was like, I wonder how I can pay him. Huh, huh. And then all of a sudden, in the courtyard, here comes Haman. And Haman was up there saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell the king to get rid of that Mordecai. I'm going to hang him right by my house. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the king said, oh, here's Haman. Tell him to come on up. He comes up, and then he says, Haman. How would you honor, how would a king honor a man? I, I mean, I want to honor somebody. How would you honor him? And I told you one of Haman's issues was that Haman loved him some Haman. So he thought that, oh, my goodness, oh, the king is talking about me. He is talking about me. So this is my opportunity to hook myself up. Oh, king, this is what I would do, right? Oh, this is what I would do, king. Check this out. I would give him some sharp robes, right? And, and I would give him the best horse that you had. And, and check this out. I would have put a crown on the horse. I would put a crown on the horse. And then I would get somebody go around with him on the horse saying, this is the best dude ever. This is the best dude ever. The king loves this dude, right? And, and, and then the king said, oh, that's a good idea, right? That's a good idea. Go, go, go do that for, for Mordecai. <laughs> what? Hold up. Hold up. Go do that for who? 
Yeah, yeah, Mordecai. And so I, I want you to do it. And, and, and everything you said, don't hold back. The crown on the horse, all that, do it all. Do it all. Do it all. And, and you do it. And here's Mordecai on the horse with a sharp robe on. And here's Haman going around saying, this is the best dude ever. <laughs> this is the best dude <laughs> He's the best dude. You know his spirit was wrong, so this is the best dude ever. And Mordecai, I can imagine him saying, stay louder. <laughs> I didn't quite hear you, hey, man. Right? right? This is the best dude ever, right? And that's how God switches it around. See, and, and this is what, what this is what a, a Psalm 7th chapter 15 says, verse 15 says, he has dug a pit and hollowed it out and has fallen into the hole which he made. Does that sound like Haman? He, he has dug a pit and hollowed it out and has fallen into the hole which he has made. That's how God turns around things and work it out. When folks think they are setting you up and they're setting and they are doing you in, they are actually digging their own graves and don't even know it. Because what ends up happening is that all of a sudden Esther asked the king to come to a party. I told y'all that he was going to use this party. And then all of a sudden, Esther uses a party to bring the king there and Haman there. And then all of a sudden, the king says to, to I mean, uh, Esther says to the king, this Haman here is out to get uh, uh, Jewish people. And, and ding, 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 surprise, I'm a Jew too. And then the king says, what? What? And he gets mad and he storms out because Haman knows now that he's going to get the executioners for him. So Haman then looks and he pleads with Esther, Esther, please, hey, say, you know me, come on. You know, you know I'm good with you. Come on, Esther, please don't do it. And he, he gets so passionate that he falls on the couch with, with Esther. And it looks like something else is going on and it's right in time for the king to come back. And the king said, wait a minute, and you're going to rape the queen too? Oh, get him. Get him out of here and kill him now. And guess where they kill him? Right by his house. <laughs> and they hang him high. God is in the details of the details right? Uh, uh, the devil is not in control. Uh, 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 demons are not in control. God is in the details of the details. And, and, and is he like that today? Uh, yes, he's like that today. And I'll, I'll end it with, with, with my story. Uh, uh, Karen and I, we, we wanted a patio, right? And so we, we, we asked these folks to come out and, and, and to, to get us a patio, a brick paper patio. So while they were doing this, all of a sudden they cut 
are sprinkler lines. I mean, cut every electricity type of thing that's going to our sprinklers, and we have no sprinklers. And then all of a sudden, they, while backing up this backhoe, they back up this backhoe, and, and, and this, it's this electrical tower that's in our front yard. The guy didn't see what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, he runs and backs into this electrical tower or post thing in our, in our yard. And as soon as he, he hits it, he hits it hard enough where every light in, in our house, I was the only one home at the time, every light in the house just, just, just gets real bright for a minute. And you hear this surge. And I was like, man, is he going to call somebody for that? And then he gets out of the hole, uh, out of the back hole uh, uh, digger, and he looks left, and he looks right. (laughs) And he tries to push this thing back, and and, and he pushes it, and 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 he starts whistling, and he drives on, you know, like everything is cool. And I was like, man, I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's good. Well, then all of a sudden, days go by, right? And when days go by, all of a sudden, you know, Karen wakes me up one morning and says, uh, half of our house does not have electricity. And I was like, what? Half? Half the house? And yeah, half the house does not have electricity. So, so I was like, huh, go down. And I'm looking at the... Uh, uh, the board there, and, and I'm cutting off things and everything, and she's right. Half the house does not have electricity. And I'm like, man, I, I, I can't figure it out. I'm, I'm messing with the fuse box and everything. And uh, so I call out an electrician. The electrician says, uh, he looks at the board and he does all of his testing of, of, of electricity, and he says, you're good. I said, you're good. You know, he says, you're good. And then I says, you know what, man? About a month ago, we had this, this, uh, this uh, patio built. And this dude ran in back of this tower out there. Could it be, you know, that? And he says, could it be that? <laughs> of course it could be that. So he goes out and he looks at it and he says, he looks at it and he says, Oh, my goodness. He said, and the guy tried to fix this on his own? He didn't get electrocuted or something? Is he crazy? And I was like, yeah. He says, call DTE. So uh, we called DTE, and DTE came out, and DTE was fixing it. And and then they had to go to my meter box on on, on the house, on the home. And they took the meter box out. And if you understand anything about it, there are two major wires that go up to this meter box, right? And that's where the, the fuse box, if you will, is plugged into. And, and, and so all of a sudden, the guy from DTE, he comes knocking on our door. And he says, uh, he says, let me show you something. So I go out and he says, um, do you see all this dark stuff that's going on in your meter box? And I said, yeah. He says, yeah, it's, it's arcing. And it's a matter of time where this whole thing is just going to, going to blow up. 
is just going to catch on fire. What you need to do is call an electrician out and they need to fasten these things better than they are because the folks who built the home, they didn't do it right. So I called the electrician out and, and when I called him out, then he says, oh my goodness. He says, yeah, th this is a dangerous situation. So he ends up fixing it and securing things as they needed to be. And now we're good. But it was the patio that went to him backing up. He backed up and he hit the tower. The tower was damaged. I called the electrician. The electrician looks at it and says, call DTE a month later, right? And this was about a month later. I called the electrician. He comes out and he says, call DTE. DTE comes out and they fix the post, but then they have to look at the meter box that's on the house that could just explode into flames at any time. And then all of a sudden, this is brought to our attention. All along, Jerry did not know the details. So he was complaining about these people in the patio and messing up my sprinkler system and did all of a sudden they back up on this post. It did. I ain't got no energy or electricity in half of my house. And did it did on top of that. I got to call an electrician out and he's up here charging me top dollar during this pandemic. It did all of a sudden I'm calling DTE and DTA, DTE may charge me extra for doing this stuff because it's not their fault. It did all of a sudden they saved my life. <laughs> See how God is working in the details. God is still working in the details. And I'm quite sure you all have a story like that as well, where, where God is showing himself in the details. Why? Because he's working it out for your good. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? Amen? So here it is today, and I'll end it there. What a beautiful story that you need to go back and read for yourself and study it for yourself. I just hit some highlights of it and, and, and the plot and the, and the counterplots and the villain and the heroes. You, and you can appreciate it more if you read it for yourself. But here's the point. The point is, is that God, does, his name doesn't have to be blasted all out in front to let you know that he's behind the scenes working it out for your good. So when it, sometimes it doesn't seem like he's there, guess what? He's there. He's there, and he's working it out for your good. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? And here's an opportunity for you today to do just that, to serve a mighty God that will always look out for you. Amen? He will keep you. He, he, he says that he will never leave you or forsake you. And I say, choose ye this day who you will serve. And I always ask this question, what will you do with Jesus? Because he came here. He came down from above. And God sent his only son. He sent his only son. He gave the best 
that he has. And the best that he has is Christ. So the question always boils down to what will you do with Jesus? Come now. Choose ye this day to serve him. We have those in front here after dismissal to uh, go through this with you, this decision process with you. Those out in Zoom, I, I pray that you will contact us because this is a, a, a this is a question that you will have to that you should answer today. You can't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. What will you do with Christ? I say serving. Amen. Serving. Hospitality.